Octopussy, Faberge Eggs, Precious Jewels, Manhunts, Floating Palaces, and the first Bond movie filmed in India. That means Gobinda and other characters need to have beautiful, authentic turbans. And oh, and today we have with us Del Singh, who was hired by Ian Productions to do just that. Welcome, Dell, to our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Dan, good to be on the show today and with you and Thomas. And you guys are pretty cool with your um, spymovingnavigator.com. What a great site. Thank well, you. Thank, thank you very you. much. Uh, Tom and I know how much goes into making a fabulous movie. And often the greatness is in the details. So many little things are done that enhance the scenes from props to costuming to special dialogue and so on. So you are now part of that rich history because you made the turbans for Octopussy, the Bond movie. Oh, tell us. And I'll tell you, I am so psyched about this because (laughs) there are so many different parts of making a movie. And when you're watching the movie, you're not sitting there going like, who made the turbans? Who did that? And to be able to come in and talk to you about this is fantastic. It is. It's fun. So tell us about yourself a little bit and how all of this happened. Okay. Well, it is. It's quite surreal and quite strange. So look, I'm I'm based in the UK. Um, I live in a... Uh, a place called Peterborough, which is a small city sort of located about 80 miles north of London. Okay. And um, it, my, my, as you can see from my hairstyle, I am actually a Sikh, so I'm a practicing Sikh. I've been practicing all my life. I haven't just got any better at it. Um, and um, I, uh, I, for my sins, I actually work in the IT industry, and I've been doing that for a while. But the interesting thing is I um, got involved with this production uh, back in 1982. So this is 40 years this year. since the film was made and then released the next year, 1983. And I was then a sprightly (laughs) 20-year-old just about to go off to university. And this peculiar thing, I mean, how I got the gig, in fact, myself and my brother got the gig was quite peculiar because we, living in this small city, were actually mobile DJs, disc jockeys. We were running a disco. Oh, wow. uh, Which sounds, yeah, I know, it sounds weird. And it gets even weirder when you consider the fact that We didn't just run a disco. We ran a rock disco. In fact, a heavy rock disco. Um, (laughs) Heavy rock and disco? That's an interesting combination. Yeah, but it was was a road show, but it was a heavy rock road show. And so, you know, you imagine nowhere in the universe are there Sikhs running a heavy rock road show. (laughs) And so, you know, that's a unique just there. And um, the strange thing is we used to kind of put bands on and stuff, rock bands, and we used to do the music alongside of them putting the platters and discs and stuff. And we used to go around the town and at night and do some illegal fly pitching, fly posting, you know, bill stickers. You guys call them bill stickers. Yes. We used to go, to, we'd go run out of the car, we'd put one of these bills up, paste it up, get back in the car before the police <laughs> called us and drive off. And which is highly illegal. So if I get a knock on my door part of the way through this, then you'll know they, they caught me. And, uh, finally. And finally, yeah, 40 years, they tracked me down. And so we used to do this stuff and we used to put on there, it was the road show, it was Del Singh's road show and so on. And Singh, S-I-N-G-H, is a name for Sikhs. It's a Sikh name. So all Sikhs that wear turbans have the name Singh in there. Oh. So just one evening, strange evening, I got a phone call because this is before the internet, before mobile phones. Yes, you know, you yes. had the, a wired landline. <laughs> Somebody phoned up and said, are you part of this um, Singh Roadshow? And I was like, yes. And I thought the guy's going to book a disco. And it was like, so when do you want to book us for? And he was like, are you a Sikh? And I'm, uh, yes. 
do you wear a turban? And I'm thinking, where's this going to? Because <laughs> we, 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 we did get some racist abuse. We, we'd get, you know, we lived in an age when people wouldn't, weren't that tolerant. And um, in fact, almost like now. Um, and we'd get some racist abuse because of the turbans and stuff. And so I thought this guy's maybe just going to, you know, make a crank call here and so on. So I was about to tell him very rudely where to go and put the phone down. He said, please stop. He goes, I'm phoning from Eon Studios. Now, I am and always have been a massive Bond fan since I actually saw Goldfinger back in, you know, the um, you know early 70s, late 70s rather, as a teenager. And um, so... I said, Ian, you guys do the Bond film? He goes, yes, we do. And we're filming a Bond film and we need some help. And I'm thinking, what the hell help am I going to give you, you guys? Seriously, you know, has Roger broken an ankle? Do you want me to stand in? And um, the, the guy sort of said, well, in this film, and it's called Octopussy, we, um, the villain in the film, uh, actor called Kabir Bedi, um, is, uh, wears a turban and we need somebody to tie a turban. Now, I'm beginning to think, this is just one of my friends playing a joke. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> I said, no, this is serious. And we are filming just outside Peterborough at a place called the Neen Valley Railway, which is a steam railway. It's been restored steam railway. And the idea of filming there was to make the steam railway look like an East German, West German mm-hmm. train going across the borders. And so I just, I'm, funny enough, I'd read somewhere then this, this film was happening. I wasn't sure it was going to be in Peterborough. But anyway, I, so the guy said, if you could come along tomorrow to this hotel, and we only had one kind of five-star hotel in the city, and you see, you come to this hotel tomorrow, you can meet us, we'll explain more. So my brother and I thinking, okay, we've got nothing to lose. We rock up at this hotel, and we're met by a guy with a, a lanyard, octopusy Eon Productions on him, thinking, this looks promising. And a few minutes later, we kind of walked up to, they'd taken the entire top floor of this hotel, walked up to the kind of the, the main suite, and the door opens, and... My eyes immediately turn to the left because there's larger than life Roger Moore with this huge cigar. Jeez, <laughs> that's Roger Moore. This is true. This is not, this guy isn't a wind up. This isn't people going to jump out and say, God, you've been candid camera. It was real. And then this really statuesque gentleman, uh, Indian guy, walks up um, and they introduced us to Kabir. So obviously, he didn't have a turban on at the time. And this is Kabir Bedi. Um, and um, you know, I'm like, yeah, great, good to meet you. He's really like, really nice guy. And they said, well, now there's a moment of truth. We need you to tie a turban on his head just to prove you can do this. Um, and they bring out this turban. Well, they bring out what they thought was a turban. It was actually more like a bath towel because it was about a few feet. It was rubbish. And they said, can you put this on his head? I said, no. And they said, why is that? I said, because it's not a turban, that's a towel. And luckily for me, we bought a turban with us and I took this turban out of the bag and it was actually my school turban it was a grey one he wears in the film and I opened this up and a, a, a decent turban is about sort of you know four or five yards long it's about 15 foot of material wow. compared to the five foot of material they had and it goes on in layers and so they were like okay so as he sort of sat sat, sat down because there's no way I could tie it on this guy standing up so as he sat down I kind of went round and tied it on a little bit of help from my brother and we got this thing on there and he stood up and looked in the mirror and he goes, that's a turban. That is the business. Because the big complaint they had was that when he was climbing and moving on any of the sets, especially outdoor sets and like a gust of wind, oh, the yeah. towel they had on his head was so loose, it would just blow off. And so <laughs> I, said, I said, trust me, that isn't going anywhere. And he was like, you're right. That's not, that's, uh, you know, I said, you, you no need to glue it or staple it down. That's on his head now. 
And they were like, wow, this is great. And so I just said to them, by chance, where did you get that turban from? And the guy said, well, we bought it in India. I said, well, God, it's the worst place in the world to buy a turban, India. I, thought this, <laughs> I, said, they, I said, they saw you coming. They sold you what was a towel's length turban. I said, a proper turban, even for a kid, is that long. There's no way a, a big guy like this could wear one of these. So we ended up kind of like, we got the gig. And it's funny, we, you know, we, we negotiated. I was about to go to university. My brother's already at university. And um, as well as doing our discos, we were also had kind of vacation jobs. And so they said, well, we only need one of you. And um, we said, nah, we come as a pair. You, you, you pay us both or you don't. And it was, well, they said, it's 50 pound a day. So we'll pay you 25 and 25. I said, nah, you pay him 50, you pay me 50. <laughs> and they're like, and yeah, we're Indians. We negotiate. God damn, you know, we're going to do this. So we got the gig. I was like, and I'll take my turbans. And I'll go home if you're not interested. And you can look around. You're Eon Studios. You're kind of filming a thing for millions. You're haggling over 50 pound a day. What is it with you people? And the guy, the guy was, he goes, you're a born salesman, aren't you? And I was like, well, we're getting the gig or not. And he's like, yeah, you got the gig. So we got this gig to tie the turban. And the nice thing was because we were sort of very much sort of, uh, because there were two of us, we, one of us, you know, couldn't show the day because we were working. The other could do it and so on. But that's, that's the interesting story of how we got the gig. Yeah, that's cool. Man, that's a great story. And, and, and how now, long was this gig then? I mean, you saw Roger Moore then, right? You you first met him there, so we assume you you had more interaction with Roger over the time. And how long? Yeah, how long were you involved? Yeah, to your to your point, Thomas. Um, so the the shooting itself um, lasted just just over about three three and a half weeks okay. um, of, of actual filming with what I would call the main cast, the actors, with Roger Kabir and all of those guys. And then when they shipped out, there was another week's worth of shooting with the stuntmen and a few other kind of like those ancillary scenes they had to put in um, without the actors and maybe some of the bits they didn't get because of bad light with the um, extras and stuff, the long shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was effectively on site for over a month and at least three plus weeks of that, I was um, in with Roger and those guys. And the lovely thing was, unlike the extras who kind of maybe did get their film their faces on the film in a distant shot and mine's didn't my hairstyles on the film but i'm not (laughs) because i was um integral to the the, you know working with kabir and stuff i literally got a pass that was access all areas i was i would just go anywhere and so while while the extras had to stay away i could go and i was basically kabir made his trailer available to me so there was his uh rogers uh maud christina uh louis jordan their trailers were all there and I had access to his trailer. And so in between when he was out shooting the scene, you know, I tied my turban on the guy in the first in the morning. And it was like, I've got to sit around and wait in case it falls off, which it never did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the lovely thing was I got to speak to Roger quite frequently because he would often just sit on the step of his trailer, wow. just sitting around shooting the breeze. And, um, he, he, you know, he liked the fact that, I mean, I was a movie, I've always been a movie fan. And in fact, my, the, you know, one of the big talking points for me with him was that my favourite actor, probably ever, but around that time was Richard Burton. And um, I was a massive Burton fan. And because he worked with Richard Burton on The Wild Geese, I just had to ask him, now, what was Burton like working on the film? And he was like, Burton's a professional, bit of a drinker, but a professional. He said the biggest problem we had was people like Richard Harris. Richard Harris was just like, uh, you know, and he said working with someone like Richard Harris and Burton completely wrecked it because he goes, the, the two Richards were just constantly drunk, which held up shooting. So he gave me all these really beautiful stories, anecdotes. And what I learned from 
chatting with Roger, you know, and it was just a you know, brilliantly dry, self-deprecating sense of humour. He, he was, and the thing is, around that time, Warner's had just brought Sean Connery back to make Never Say Never Again. Yeah. And so when the media arrived, the press arrived to interview Roger, the first thing they'd come up with, you know, oh, is it because the public don't like you? Sean's coming back and, you know, there's a new Bond out. So there'll be two Bond films for the first time ever competing. And they, they would try to wind him up and they'd try to get him rattled. And uh, Roger was brilliant. He was just so professional. He said, well, you know what? I think Sean coming back is a good thing because Sean does his Bond his way and I do mine my way. And there's things that Sean can do that I can't do. And there's things that I can do that Sean can't do. And at which point it was almost like, a stick to poke them with. And they were like, so what is it you do, Roger, that Sean can't? He was like, come here, watch. And then he'd do that, raise his eyebrow. And he says, see, I can do that. And I tell you, what, I was just laughing madly because all these guys are so anticipating him to do something crazy or some, say something kind of that would be controversial. And he just did that little eyebrow raise that Moore would do. He used to do the saint and then he did his bond and it was brilliant. And that would just shut them up. But he was so, he was very magnanimous. He was, he, you know, he spoke highly of Sean. And in fact, I even said to him, you know, confession, Roger, you know, Connery is my bond. And he said, don't blame you. I said, it's, it, I said he's the first guy I saw doing the, the role. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that, but I said, having said that, though, I thought Live and Let Die, Man with the Golden Gun was brilliant. I mean, I must admit, towards the end, some of the Bond films maybe lost their luster a bit. But those early Bond films that Roger did were brilliant in my book. Yeah, yep. yeah. A lot of terrific ones. We like The Spy Who Loved Me, uh, For Your Eyes Only. There are a couple of really good ones from Roger. Excellent. Yeah. So he didn't bite on the... Uh... The press bait. <laughs> oh, he didn't take the bait. He didn't take the bait, and he was he was he was lovely with it, and he would always have a chance to chat. He'd never sort of I'm too busy or go away. Wow. But then the conversations that we had were very much they weren't sort of uh, they they were all about movies, films, just general stuff and whatever, and it was really good. Yeah. So basically, he's a nice guy. Everything you read about him, everything you hear about him. They all say he's a nice guy. He was a nice. He guy. was English. He was. He, he was a consummate English gentleman. Is okay. the way I would put it. And um, and and when when he well, sadly when he passed, I wrote. So I'm on the business platform LinkedIn, and I wrote a little kind of story. My summer with Roger Moore, uh, oh, yes. the English gentleman, and he got picked up by a local. Well, it's a local, a national newspaper called the Guardian in the UK, and they printed yes. it in there. I saw that, and yes. lots of people kind of saw that and so wow you know amazing we didn't know this about roger and um it, it's terrific yeah 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 great Go yeah ahead. i actually i have a question um you, you talk about being on set for that long what were some of the kind of cr- any crazy things that happened on set that you're just like i can't believe that happened or was it pretty smooth no i mean overall it was pretty smooth i mean obviously you know we, we were governed heavily by the british weather which is just nuts anyway and so we had, you know, things like bad light and rain would always affect things. Just as so you're thinking everybody's in place, all of a sudden it'd be like they'd come along and say, no, light's gone, and everybody go back in and, and so on. It was crazy. But the, um, I suppose the, the mo- one of the most memorable ones, the days, and I think it was the, probably for me the most memorable one, was they, they, there's a scene in there where um, the train, there's a tr- the train actually is on the tracks and it hits the Mercedes, black Mercedes car, Yes, and it yes. knocks it into the river. Yes. And that, and so I was going to say no spoilers, but it's a spoiler. If you haven't seen the film in 40 years, you ain't yeah. going to worry about it. <laughs> but that, that, that scene of the car being hit by the train is literally emulated by a car being shot out of a cannon. Wow. So Mercedes, and, and um, I've shared a photograph with you of that 
Mercedes sitting in a cannon that's then ignited and literally shoots this two tons of vehicle into a river. And in the film, the car actually hits the river, but it doesn't just hit the river. It actually hits a guy fishing in a boat on the river. Now, that scene on the film is scary, but in real life, watching that take, and when they did it, and that take, they planned it all, they got the boat in place. And when that car actually got fired and it hit, it literally... All of us standing around watching it thought that guy in the boat who's the stuntman who's doing the fishing is dead because that car literally just hits it. And it thinks, oh, my God, oh, my God, he wow. didn't get out. That car, and, and everybody's panicking, and the frogmen jump into the water to go and get it and uh, see whether, you know, and we're all like literally, oh, my God, my God. And then the next thing you see is this guy's literally surfaces at the bank there, looks at it and goes, and that was it. It was a take. They weren't going to get anything better than that because you honestly thought that guy was dead, but he made it to the bank. And I think they do see him scrambling at the bank. Oh, wow. But it was a real heart-stopping moment. And I think none of us actually forget that day, but they didn't have to do a second take on that one because it was so good, but it's so scary. Yeah, yeah that, that would be. Yeah, and I just watched the movie again last night before we were going to have this conversation. And <laughs> I watched that scene and I, rem- I remember it was yes. like, wow. Yeah. So now I've got another question for you, and this is sure. partly due to my ignorance. All right. So there are lots of turbines or different headgear throughout the different scenes yes. um, that different people are wearing. So I don't know if those are technically all turbines or not. Um, we see that Govinda's is pretty smooth and only covers his head. And others have more, they look more like wrapped rows and with some material down the back. And yes. so was, is there symbolism behind that? Or was that just to say, okay, the henchmen are wearing this, Gabinda's wearing that? Yeah, so, so to look, I mean, turbans traditionally, I mean, they walk around the world by many cultures and they come in different shapes. So if you go to kind of like uh, an Arab country, you'll see more of it around, wrapped around the head, and that's it. And that's to keep the sun off. Um, for Sikhs, and, um, which I am a Sikh uh, religion, um, the turban is very significant. It's actually designed to keep the hair in place because Sikhs, we don't cut our hair. So it's um, it keeps the hair in place. It also is a very unique identifier about the religion. And Gabinda is playing the role of a Sikh in the film. Um, so he also wears, you might see on his wrist, he wears one of these bangles. So he's got a, a steel bracelet bangle. And that signifies a Sikh, a, a beard. I mean, his beard's like nasty trimmed. The rest of us actually have full beards, which we're not, again, not allowed to cut. So he's playing the role of a Sikh in there, and um, and therefore his turban is designed and created because also it was actually tied by a Sikh. It's going to look like a Sikh turban. Yeah, yeah. Now the henchmen um, in the film and some of the extras and other people, when particularly when they film in India, they didn't need to have and they weren't going to go and hire people to tie those turbans. So what you can do is you can get these slightly ready-made ornate ones, or they starched up. They fit on and off like a hat. And in fact, in some of the parts of the film, early, some, some of the bits of the film, they did tell me, so the, the, the still that you've got behind you there, where Gabinda's turban is yes. the kind of like slightly more, you know, pinky rose colored one. That is actually, you can tell by that, that's actually quite heavily starched. So when they've tied it, it's been tied and it's been starched. So then it would lift on and off like a hat. And maybe for some of the static scenes, it doesn't matter because, but when he was doing the scenes, on the railway where he's climbing on top of the train and running and the stuntmen are running with those turbans, having something like that is it would just blow off. It was just not going to last. It would be wobbling on his head and whatever. Right. So that's why you needed. And, and I, I did actually get to nothing. I'm not sure if I've sent it to you, but there is actually one of the call sheets for the day of the filming. And on there, I'm, I, you know, I'm really proud to say that they've got on there 745 
turban expert arrives. <laughs> and, <Please>. and, <laughs> so, so you know, whilst I, I'm not sure if I can get on the credits there, but the call sheet has me as a turban expert. So sure. they needed a they needed a turban expert for Kabir. Uh, but maybe on the other guys, they didn't need it to be quite as ornate. So some of those turbans, you're right, are. But as you can see in the behind it, that really, I can tell, is actually been starched on, and that actually would lift on and off his head. That wouldn't be a tie turban every day. Right, right. Okay. So mostly you were working on Gabinda's stuff in, in the in the movie? Um and yeah, Gabinda's, it was Gabinda's turban, and it was then tying the turban on the stuntmen. So the guys that actually had to do oh, some yeah. of his scenes, of course, of course um, yeah. you know, I'd have to tie it on them. And again, you know, there's a lot to be said about things like continuity. So they would come around in the morning and they'd say, okay, we've got the stills from the night before or whatever, yeah, yeah. Uh, the day before, and we've got to make sure, because what you can't have is the guy's turban, you know, looking slightly different, slightly different. Right. And so... It, you know, whereas initially tying it would take me five minutes or so to do, the next day it might maybe ten minutes. Come, I think, mm, yeah, that's not right. So I have to retie that bit there and do that yeah, now. Yeah, that yeah. pointy bit just up there is that pointing the right way, the right angle. So that was it. But you know, generally my work day wasn't longer than about twenty minutes. <laughs> that bad for fifty pounds, you said, right? Yeah. Fifty pounds in nineteen eighty-two. That was a lot of that's money. A lot of money in nineteen eighty-two. That's pretty good. And for oh, a, a month. <laughs> and, and, and and sorry, that wasn't fifty pound. That was a hundred pound. Remember, so it was actually pound each we were getting for this. <laughs> even if even if my brother didn't show, I'd collect his money for him. Trust me, it was we, we, we need we doing. <laughs> <laughs> so they paid you both. <laughs> That's good. That's just the way it's got to be. Yeah. So and, you, and, thing, and sorry, the strange thing is also when they left, it was great because when they left, they had to go on because like all bond shoots, they finish one location, they move on to another location. And the, the other thing they said was, we can't use these other turbans. And so we need to take your turbans. I was like, you know, sorry, you can't have my turbans. And, you know, first thing, my mum will kill me. It's like, you know, what happened? And, and so, but, uh, so they, they ended up, so I came home and they sort of said, well, is there any turbans that you've got? And my mum, I knew had loads of turbans, spare ones and stuff. So long story short, I ended up selling them 200 pounds worth of turbans. So. <laughs> As well, so. so you we, are a salesman. You know, so sorry, Eon Studios, but come on, guys, you spend millions on a film. So spending, you know, you know, two hundred pound on turbans, you got off, you got, and they were good turbans as well. Trust me, it was money well it, it spent. It looked good in the movie. Them. Yeah, come on, it looked great. All the stuff looked great in the movie. So, are there any other things that you observed during the shooting of the movie that maybe we wouldn't, normal people wouldn't know? <laughs> Yeah, the other incidental, I mean, a lot of it was the sort of stuff, that, as I mentioned earlier on, about the stunt that almost kind of went wrong but didn't on the cannon. But then there was a stunt that went wrong where the train goes into a tunnel. Oh, yes. And, um, you know, on the top of the train and they're ducking and they're whatever it is. You don't see it on the film, but one of the stuntmen got seriously injured when the train went in and it actually, the tunnel actually smashed his arm. He actually yes. broke his arm and end up in hospital, I had to stop the shooting there because, it, you know, it was quite a serious injury there. Yes, you know, yeah, imagine, yeah. you know, getting hit by the brickwork, you, you duck, but you, you don't, shoulder doesn't go down in time. And it literally, that, that, that delayed the shooting and stuff. And that was awful, you know, that sure. call the I think those stunt, those stunt people are just absolutely crazy. Some of the stuff they'll let them get away with. Well, after I saw that thing with the boat thing, I mean, you know, uh, that guy was like, I, I literally Talking inches inch. away from... yeah. Dying, wow. uh, no amount of money could justify putting your life on the line like that. But so they're really brave guys and girls that do that. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of girls, 
Right? And you're filming uh-huh. new things, and Bond is known for the, especially at that time, the Bond girls, and there are definitely a lot of women in this movie. Yes, uh, what was that like? Well, for a 20-year-old red-blooded male, it was absolute <laughs> heaven. Um, it was. It was, it was kind of like every schoolboy's dream that you're getting to hang around with the Bond girl. So it was obviously um, Christina Wayborn. It was kind of her Bond film, the first Bond film, and she's obviously a Swedish actress, and she was quite very young, very attractive, very relatively unknown. But she was a little more kind of, I mean, I've got a photo of me with her and so on. I mean, so that was lovely. Maud Adams was probably, because she'd been in Man with the Golden Gun before, yes. and I think she was then in a third Bond film after Octopus, or possibly before, no, after that, I think she was in another one. So she's had an appearance in two or three. I think she's got the, the record there. But yeah, she was... Kill. Yeah, View to Kill, there we go. So she was kind of um, probably a little bit more of a star. So um, I did. I was a bit nervous of approaching her because she's always seemed to be a little bit more kind of like... Mm. Um, uh, but she was... She, a couple of the guys who could get their photos with her. But then there were the, 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 the all the other bevy of beauties who were the octopusy circus girls and stuff. They were the kind of yeah. octopussies harem of girls and stuff, but they were all the circus girls. And they, they did actually recruit some local ladies who were, you know, as, as extras. And I think they had some uh, of the Bond girls. So over here in the UK, we had a, a, a newspaper. Well, it's actually more of a, a thing you'd, you'd kind of wrap waste food in called The Sun. It's a, it's a newspaper. And back in those days, it, it was, it, it's kind of your equivalent of the National Enquirer. It, it's um, it, it's wow. sort of, they used to have, they they used to have uh, I do have opinions they do it's now now a thing called the Daily Mail that does that so anyway we, it, they used to have a thing called page three so you turn a newspaper up and there used to be a topless lady on page three you so, have a lot you know. page three come on yeah well look, I, you know as kids I, I, whatever I love it I mean these days I, I you know as a, a, a father grandfather and stuff and somebody that kind of thinks women shouldn't really be kind of exploited on and a newspaper you know if you want those magazines you go somewhere else and buy them but in a newspaper that's being read by kids and stuff maybe not. But there were a lot of page three girls. So they'd recruited some page three girls to be Bond girls, and they were very glamorous and very lovely. Yeah. And again, you know, uh, but, you know, you got to sort of, I got, uh, because I even, in fact, some of them didn't have access to all areas. They couldn't come around the back either. So they were, kind of, so, so, I, so they were, you know, a couple of them were saying, yeah, could you get Roger's autograph for me? And I was like, you know, because they wouldn't <laughs> want to approach him on the stand. And I was like, yeah, so or whatever. I mean, I, if I'd been really mercenary, I could have said, is it worth a date? But, um, <laughs> so, but, but, but I didn't. I, 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 was, I was maybe too shy. But, you know, they, they were, they, again, it was, there were a lot of really pretty girls around. And, um, it was it was a lovely lovely set. It was a very friendly set. I know there's often you hear stories about people kind of falling out with each other and stuff, but no, it was really good. It was just really really nice, um, you know, dynamic there. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> awesome. What a great experience. The whole thing, really. <laughs> and then you got to imagine this is this is twenty years old, and yeah. and you know, for a kind of kid, it was it was quite awesome. You know, and this is a global franchise and an amazing thing to be a part of yeah. and, and maybe it's like one of those things when you're doing it you don't really appreciate it but when you you know I, I now tell people it so you know 40 years later I'm telling people um you know just about every job I've had people sort of say give us a fun fact about yourself and you know people come up with their fun facts and then I tell them mine they're like Still wins. Yeah. Fun fact. <laughs> We're not going to beat that. It's hard to beat that. Yeah. That is a good fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, that's cool. You said you got to know Kabir uh, uh, pretty well, and you had access to his trailer and so on. What happened when the whole filming was over? Did you say goodbye, see you guys later, or what happened there? Been in touch with that? Yeah, so, so yeah, I suppose what you would say is that after they kind of, I've tied my last term and they said, it's a wrap, but nobody said that. But um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought of that joke way too late. But look, um, what was incredible was when that last day came around, they were going to film and, and go and so on. I mean, I got to know Kabir in particular pretty well. And he just said, stay in touch. And I'm like, okay. And he then jotted down his address in Beverly Hills for me in, in you know, LA and said, there's my details. Um, cool. reach out to me and uh, it'd be lovely to keep it. And he would genuinely meant it. He did genuinely meant it. And I was so thrilled by that because it was lovely. And you got to remember this is before emails and internet and whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was an address and it was like, you know, write to me or, and, and he gave me a phone number as well. And you called me or whatever. And I'm like, wow, this is great. It is. And, and so I felt really good about that. The, the downside to it is, and this is where the 20 year old student comes in. I went off to college and that bit of paper somewhere got lost or mislaid. And so and no matter how much I looked for it, I never, ever found that bit of paper oh, wow. up until probably about 10 years ago when in amongst some old books from college that I was actually no longer needed. My wife said to me, what are these books? And I'm like, well, oh, anatomy for beginners and stuff. And it's like, you know, you know, genetic engineering, I'll get rid of them. And I'm throwing these books in there. Of course, this bloody bit of paper falls out. And I'm like, oh, God, this could be a Benny's address. Which is a trip. <laughs> And, and the, the strange thing is I try to phone the number on it as well. And it, it just, it, it was a deadline. It didn't yeah, work yeah, anymore. Sure, I was yeah. late. But I did get to kind of meet Kabir again virtually. Um, and that was quite interesting, but, you know, 35 years later. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was sad, all of these guys when they left town. And like I said, I was still on set because the stuntmen were still there. They still called me in to do stuff, but it wasn't the same. And, yes. and all of a sudden now I didn't have the the VIP access to the trailers. I was like, do your job and go home or stand over there. <laughs> stand in the rain with the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. ah, cool. So then, so then the, the, the filming gets done, the movie gets made and they're going to do premieres. And yeah. so talk about where you saw the movie. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, so the, 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 so in the UK here, the biggest premieres back in the day, and maybe some still happen now, happen in London at the Odeon Leicester Square. It's the kind of like big event, and that's where yes. the Octopus premiere took place. Now, I unfortunately never got invited to the premiere of that thing because it was a little. It's one of those royal premieres, so you get the Queen or member of the royal family, and I guess you know my social standing wasn't high enough at the time to get that. So, um, but what what did happen was because the, the film had a local connection to Peterborough, they allowed uh, a local premiere to happen, which is really, really good of Eon Studios to actually provide the film maybe just a day before a release. I mean, back there, we didn't have too much in the way of piracy and stuff going on, yeah. um, you know, in, in films, and, unless it was one of the Sinbad films starring Kabir Betty. But, um, uh, uh, or actually, it was Sandakan, the pirate. It was a different type of pirate. Um, so they allowed the, sh the, the film to be shown in Peterborough, and I got to go to the premiere here in Peterborough. So there were a lot of people who worked on the film, the extras and their families, uh, and just invited dignitaries and stuff, local dignitaries. And so it was great to see the film kind of on a big screen. Yeah. And, well, there goes my hairstyle. You know, that, that's it. You know, that, that sort of amazing cool. moment. Yeah, that sounds like it was a fantastic time for you, especially at that age. 
I mean, it was a unique yeah. experience, really. I mean, have you ever been called for other movies to do this? Probably, you know, this is a rare thing. Um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there's just not enough turpentine opportunities in the world. It just it annoys the hell out of me. You know, the, Hollywood needs to make more moves with turbans. In fact, nowadays, unfortunately, they probably CGI the damn thing on, so nobody would need it, full stop. But uh, no, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't get tired. But the interesting thing is, I said, in, when Roger Moore passed away, I wrote this little kind of, it wasn't op-ed, but it was a little piece, got picked up by the papers. And then I got a, a, a strangely, I got a... Um, uh, an email from a guy who who put together a thing called TSOS. And I was like, what the hell's TSOS? And it was turbans seen on screen. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And uh, so this guy around G, I said to him, so turbans seen on screen, he goes, what it is, I'm actually, he's a bit of a film fan. And he goes, I'm created a thing where I'm actually wanting to do screenings of films where turbans are being used by actors or worn by, you know, some of the bigger stars in the films. And, and first, it, it, the first film I saw with a turban-wearing actor was Octopussy. And so I want to have this. And I know you've got connection to it. When he heard my story and connection, he was like, oh, my God, I've got to do this. <laughs> so in 2017, he um, hired out a place called the Institute of Light. It's like a really small cinema in London. Um, it, and it's, it's so... Oh, it's amazing because it's like it's been thrown together. So you've got like airplane aircraft seats and like deck chairs and all sorts of crazy seating and it's a decent screen. And he put together a screening of Octopussy there. And before that screening happened, he asked me to get on stage and actually explain to people about the, my involvement in the movie, how I got the gig, the turban tying. And then to my surprise, what he did was he'd contacted Kabir Bedi's agent and we managed to get Kabir to dial in over Skype. Oh, cool. And so, so first time in 35 years, having lost his address, I actually got to talk to Kabir, yeah. um, nice. uh, you know, and he, he reminisced about our time on the set, the film. And, you know, we shared it and it was beautiful. It was a lovely moment. It was something, you know, it's like, um, it was being recranked. It was almost like we were chatting. And unfortunately there was an audience there. Otherwise we could have chatted all night and it was quite late in Mumbai as well at the time. But it was lovely. It was a great reunion. After 35 years, we got together and then we got a chance to show the film to an audience. Uh, some of you had seen it, some who hadn't seen it. And it was terrific. It was a brilliant, brilliant thing. That was in 2017. Beautiful. That's cool. Yeah, what a great opportunity that was. That's yeah. that's fun. Hey, yeah, this has been fun. I love hearing these these stories that aren't... I'm I'm the actor. You all know who I am. It's how does this stuff get put together and who are the people that help make this? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you've got to, you know, you're all, I mean, that, that turban on Kabir, it, I mean, that's his look in that movie and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, uh, to be fair, I mean, if I, if I, uh, and the, okay, this is me being maybe slightly churlish here, but if I look at the, the, the picture of the turban that he's wearing in the, the, the shot behind you, where he's wearing the Indian attire, the kurta, um, and that's that suit and that turban, that turban, Honestly, is not as good as the, the grey one. The grey one that he's got with the suit on that is, it just looks smarter. That one looks like, it looks a bit ragged to me because, <laughs> because it's heavily stuffed and tied and so on. I'm, and sorry, you can't, guys can't, you can't actually argue with me because I'm the expert. Turban expert, remember. It has been in print. Yeah. You know? yeah. I've got the title. I've got the title. Yeah. So, 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 you know, and it was, and the thing is he wore it so well and, when you look at Bond villains over the ages, everybody from kind of odd job to Jaws, that the kind of 
menacing nature of him because he was a he's a big guy he's a tall guy yes. and he you know a really handsome rugged guy but that turban just kind of topped it off and made him look that much more sinister yes. i think yeah um, he, he was a good villain a good he was a good villain, definitely yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, with swords right. and stuff. well especially here in the states because in the states when that movie came out we did not have a very big Sikh population it's gotten bigger here oh. now but back then that was definitely a foreign feel to us Mm -hmm. so when you talk about him being menacing it's here's this big foreigner and he's dressed a little different than like we normally dress here in the u.s and he played it so well yeah yeah he was just menacing to be fair, he's a henchman, and then you obviously had Kamal Khan, who was yes. the the Jordan character, who was kind of like the you know, I think that bit where he sort of tells him to go and on the plane, go outside the plane, and he does a double take. He looks at him like, "You sure?" Yeah. Uh, like any good henchman would, but then goes and does the thing, uh, and it's played straight with a straight bat. It is very, very good, and and, yes, and so was. yeah, for a henchman, he, he he was he did excel. Yeah, it was terrific. Awesome. All right, Dell. Hey, this was enlightening and so fun to hear what it's like to be part of the production of a Bond movie, adding to and enhancing the different scenes that the turbans were in and for all of our viewing enjoyment. This is great, great stuff. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) We loved having you on the show. Dan, thank you, thank you very much, Thomas. Thank you very much. It's 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 been it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. I mean, I do enjoy talking about it because it's one of those unique experiences. I mean, I know sometimes there's people that star as actors, you know, extras in a film, they kind of, you know, the head appears for a millisecond. And whilst, you know, I'm not in the movie, you know, my, my, my turban is and my art form as, yes. a, as a, as a hairstyle is, and, and it'll be out there. And it was just a, it's, it was a surreal experience. It still is to this day. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm always glad to talk about it because I think it's brilliant. And the fact, you know, we've lost people, actors like Roger, who was quite yes. a remarkable, remarkable gentleman, you know, English gentleman and a great bond. You know, it was a privilege to get to work with people like him. Absolutely. What an honor. All right. Hey, that's a wrap. This has been Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzotto. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com. And our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. If you like our show, please subscribe to it. And tell your friends about it on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.